let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Luke chapter 6. And we're going to read verses 6 through 11. Luke chapter 6, beginning at verse 6 through 11. It says, On another Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. A man was there whose right hand was paralyzed. The scribes and Pharisees were watching him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath so that they could find a charge against him. But he knew their thoughts and told the man with the paralyzed hand, Get up and stand here. So he got up and stood there. And then Yeshua said to them, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? After looking around at them all, he told them, or he told him, stretch out your hand. He did so, and his hand was restored. They, however, were filled with rage and started discussing with one another what they might do to Yeshua. A couple weeks ago, we dealt with a text in which Yeshua was doing something on a particular type of Sabbath that was not kosher in the eyes of some religious leaders of his day, namely the Pharisees and their scribes. And in this text in Luke 6, 6 through 11, we continue to see that the Pharisees had it out for him. They wanted to get him. They didn't like him. They did not like this man from Nazareth. And the reason they did not like him was because he challenged their views of the law. They had everything wrapped up nicely in a little package, or so they thought. And Yeshua came along and was basically telling them in public, the scribes and Pharisees, you guys look like you're holy on the outside, but you got most everything wrong. And I've come to straighten you out. <laughs> so we can imagine why they got upset with him. They didn't like being challenged. They considered themselves the holiest of all the groups in the Hebrew faith. But Yeshua came and told them, No, you're sinners in need of me. And if you don't admit it, you will be lost eternally. So I don't know how far we're going to get today, but I want to start at verse 6. Luke 6, verse 6. And we'll read this verse. It says, On another Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. A man was there whose right hand was paralyzed. Now, our text today begins in verse 6 on another Sabbath or a different Sabbath as it could be translated. The Greek word here for another is the word heteros. And it's defined by various Greek lexicons as another or different. Now, Luke could just be writing in the sense of another, another Sabbath this happened. But it's possible that Luke uses the word heteros because this Sabbath in Luke 6.6 was different than the one in Luke 6.1. That would fit nicely in my mind. As I showed last time, last time I taught, I believe that Luke 6.1 describes a new moon Sabbath. Therefore, it would make sense that Luke describes the weekly seventh-day Sabbath here as heteros or a different Sabbath. So they go through the grain fields and pluck the grain on the new moon Sabbath and this is a different Sabbath. On a different or another Sabbath, this takes place. We read that Yeshua enters the synagogue here in Luke 6.6, 6, or the assembly. The assembly or the synagogue was the place of corporate singing and prayer and reading and teaching of the law. And it says here in verse 6 that he was teaching. He was teaching in the synagogue. 
Now, our tendency is to read that and we just move on. And we don't find it significant. But it's very significant because we always read before healing, before casting out of demons, before all of that deliverance takes place, we always read how that Yeshua was teaching. He taught the crowds. He taught in the synagogues. For example, up to this point in the book of Luke, in Luke 4.15, it says he was teaching in the synagogues of Galilee. Luke 4.31-32 through 32 says he was teaching on the Sabbath in the synagogue with authority. And in Luke 5.3, we read of Yeshua teaching the crowds that found him as he was in a boat on a working day and teaching the people. Luke 5.17 speaks of one of those days while he was teaching. Over and over and over again, we see our Messiah was a teacher. He taught. What did he teach? The scriptures that were inspired of Almighty Yahweh. Interpreting them properly, rightly dividing them. Yeshua made it a habit to teach Scripture, and that is because the teaching of Scripture is primary. It is of primary importance that the Scriptures be taught diligently, not skimmed, not surface-skated, but diligently taught. When we gather here for Sabbath assembly, it is great for us to sing songs of praise to Yahweh. How many enjoy that? I enjoy it, even with a broken guitar string. I enjoy singing praise songs to Almighty Yahweh. It's wonderful to pray for each other. It's wonderful to do that. It's wonderful to share our testimony or hear a testimony be shared. That's good. It's a joy to read Scripture each week. Psalm 103, I asked Brother Tim to read that today. I read it earlier today. It was beautiful. I'd encourage you to go back and read it. Slow down and take your time and go through Psalm 103 and not only read the promises of Yahweh, but trust those promises that Yahweh gives us and believe in them and claim them for you because you're a child of Yahweh. Now, all of these things are part of the weekly assembling of the saints. But what is primary is the teaching of Scripture. Catch this. What is primary is the teaching of Scripture, not because of Brother Matthew, not because of Brother Tim, not because of Brother Arnold. It doesn't matter who is teaching Scripture, provided they're apt to teach Scripture. What matters is that Scripture is being taught. That is the primary thing that takes place on the Sabbath convocation. We dig into the text of Scripture, and we teach and we learn Yahweh's Word. Now, ever since I have matured in, in my faith in Yahweh as an adult, I have ran across people who don't seem to be interested in the teaching of Scripture. Give me something that makes me feel good, they say. Listen, that's not proper. That's not proper. Yahweh's people enjoy the teaching of the Word. We should not be interested in half-hearted, shallow sermons that focus more on the creature instead of the Creator. If you'll notice, and if you will be a critical thinker, there's nothing wrong with being a critical thinker. That doesn't mean we have to be hateful and ugly. But it's okay to be a critical thinker and not just listen with an open mind, but listen with an open Bible. Amen? So if you listen to a lot of teaching that goes on in the name of Christianity today, it is man-centered. It's all about what we do for Him and not what He has done for us. The gospel, the good news, is not about what we do for Him at all. What we do for Him is fruit that's produced because the gospel changes our lives. The gospel is all about what Yahweh has done for us through the person of His Son. 
And that's what preaching should be centered on. We should desire to dig deeper and deeper into the meaning of Scripture. Now, when I think about this, there's a passage from Hebrews. I'd like to turn there. I'd like you to turn with me, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 5. This is what I think about. Hebrews 5, 12 through 14, as we begin to experience the rain from Yahweh. Amen? <laughs> Praise Yahweh. I'm glad it's good for my garden. Good for everybody's garden. Hebrews 5, verse 12. This is the passage I think about when I see people that do not like the teaching of Yahweh's Word or to hear the teaching of Yahweh's Word. Hebrews 5, verses 12 through 14. Listen to this. The author of Hebrews says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of Yahweh's revelation. You need milk and not solid food. Now everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with the message about righteousness because he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, for those whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. Now brothers and sisters, there is certainly a time when we need the milk of the Word. We should not expect a novice or a newcomer to the faith to understand everything and grow overnight. We should give them time to grow, just as we do with seeds that we plant or with trees that we plant. They take time to grow, right? I planted some squash plants the other day in my garden, and the next morning I didn't go out there and complain because there was no squash on the plant. I know that it takes certain days, 60 to 90 days, to mature and start getting a harvest. And what do I do? I nurture that plant. I water that plant. I make sure it gets sunlight. I make sure the weeds are uh, away from it. And we give it time to grow. It's the same thing with newcomers to the faith. We give them time to grow in the faith. There is a time where people need the milk of the Word. But it is also true that once you arrive, once you get four, five, six, seven years under your belt as a believer in Yahweh, it is time to get off of the milk and onto the meat. The author of Hebrews says that if you continue to live on the milk, you're inexperienced and you're immature. And he's actually rebuking the people that would get this letter, at which time you ought to be teachers. In other words, you've been in the congregation long enough. You should have the capacity to share what you believe. You still, though, are inexperienced and immature, and you're a babe in the Word. That is not correct. That is not proper to be like that once you have grown to a certain level of maturity. What you need is you need solid food. You need the steak of the Word, not the milk of the Word. Now listen, we should be gentle to those who are new or fresh. Kindness and graciousness must be afforded to them. You didn't learn everything you know at once. And so don't expect people to learn everything that you know at once. That is true. But it's also true that it is a crying shame that men who have been sitting in church for 10, 20, 30, or more years are oftentimes still stuck on the milk. That is not of Yahweh. If you have trouble understanding the teaching of Scripture, join the Trouble Understanding the Teaching of Scriptures Club. Because so do I sometimes when I read. Not all of it, but sometimes I read it. And when I don't understand it, you know what I do? I read it again. And then I read it again. And then I meditate on it. And then I pray about it. And then I study it. And then I go back and I read it again. 
until I understand it. And then I do what James 1.5 tells me to do. It says this, If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of Yahweh. Let him ask of Yahweh. Do you believe that text? Every day, if I remember, one part of my prayer is very simple. Yahweh, give me wisdom and understanding. Because I know that I need it. I know that I lack it. There are sometimes when I'm studying, I'm preparing sermons, I don't understand how I'm going to explain it. I don't understand how I'm going to put it all to where you guys can understand it, hopefully, by the power of the Spirit. And most of the time, when I ask Yahweh, He grants it to me before the Sabbath service when I have to teach. Sometimes He doesn't, and I just put it up on the shelf because I know in His time, when the time is right, when He sees fit, He'll teach me what He wants me to know. I always get excited about what's going to come next. What am I going to learn next? It's always something that Yahweh reveals to us. It's beautiful. So we keep asking Yahweh every day, Yahweh, please help me to understand your word more and more. I don't want to stay on the milk. Pray that. You pray that. I don't want to stay on the milk. I want the meat. When Brother Matthew or another brother teaches at Sabbath, help me to understand. That's what you should pray. And then don't just ask Yahweh in prayer, but get your scriptures out and examine them. The Bereans examine the scriptures how often? Daily, every day, not just at Sabbath. When we come here today, don't raise your hand when I say this, but how many people, how many people, this is the first time you've opened your Bible this week? Or maybe second or maybe third. It should be every day opened up. Every day opened up and examined and studied. It should be. Not just on Sabbath, not just on the new moon, not just at the feasts, but daily. Amen? Every day. Now, I've got more. We've got a lot to cover in Luke 6, but I I want to, when I was putting my notes together, I want to just camp out here because verse 6 says Yeshua was in the synagogues, and before we get into any of that Sabbath stuff, it says He was teaching. He was teaching. came before the healing. So let's camp out here for a while longer. Let me ask you this. How much effort are you putting into Bible study? I'm not talking about studying Brother Matthew's articles or listening to another sermon. I'm talking about studying this right here. Studying this. I can only take you so far. I'm not inspired. I try my best. I fail often. This right here is what you've got to study. The Bible. I was on a thread yesterday. I tore a keeper's thread on Facebook. And there was some wild and wacky ideas going on on that thread that were not biblical at all. And I posted on there, I hope that everybody will take time to study what the Scriptures say about this subject and not just read the thread. Because I think so many people, because we're so in the 21st century, we've got fast food, we've got everything, you know, get it right now, and we get so antsy, you know, if the phone don't work in five seconds and it takes 10 or 15, why ain't my phone working? We're so antsy about everything, right? So we think, well, we got to understand it. We want to understand it just as quick as possible. So I'll just go read this thread, or I'll just go read this article, or I'll just go read this man's book, and you do not put in the man or woman hours that you should to study particular subjects in Scripture. How much effort do you put into Bible study? Now, Brother Tim has been teaching us how to methodically study the Scripture. He's bringing some good lessons. But are you going to listen to him but not put those methods to practice? Are you going to be a hearer of the Word and not a doer of the Word? 
For the Arnold often prays, make us doers of the word and not just hearers only. Yes, you have to hear the word. That's why we're here, to hear the word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word, the message preached, right? So you have to hear the word as the preacher gives the word, or the pastor or the elder gives the word. But it doesn't do you any good to hear the word and not take it and then do the word or apply the methods that he's teaching about Bible study. It doesn't do any good. James says, chapter 1, you're like a man who's been working all day and he's dirty and he looks into the mirror and he sees his hair is disheveled and he needs to take a bath, but then he walks away from the mirror, doesn't take a bath, and forgets what he saw in that mirror. He knows his face needs to be washed. You read the law, the law convicts you, you know you need to repent, you know you need to confess, you know you need to tighten up a notch, you know you need to do things better, but you walk away from the law after you felt that and you forget about what you've read. You're a hearer or a reader of the Word, but not a doer of the Word. How much effort are we putting in? Once you learn how to study, then you need to study. And you need to do it daily. And let me say this also, and I speak primarily to the men. It is great for women to study as well. And some women are single and they have to study more. But many women are married, and they're about the affairs of the home, schooling the children, cooking, cleaning, banking, running errands, serving their husband, doing the hardest job on the planet, being a wife, a mother, and a homemaker. A lot of people don't know what homemaker means anymore, but Titus says women are keepers of the home. And that's, that's a much harder job than I have because it's never done, never over with. So I understand that Women should study Scripture, don't get me wrong, but it's primarily the job of the man. The husband and the father should be leading the home in his studies. Deuteronomy chapter 6, let's turn there. And I'd like to read verses 1 through 9. Men, we cannot obey Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9 if we're not studying the Scriptures. Deuteronomy 6, verse 1. This is the command, the statutes and ordinances Yahweh your mighty one has instructed me to teach you so that you may follow them in the land you are about to enter and possess. This is Yahweh speaking through Moshe, Moses. Do this so that you may fear Yahweh your Elohim, your mighty one, all the days of your life. By keeping all his statutes and commands, I am giving you your son and your grandson, and so that you may have a long life. So often in Torah, the masculine gender is used. Do you know when it talks about the feasts in Exodus 23 and Exodus 34? It says three times in the year all the males appear before Yahweh. That's at the three major feasts, right? That doesn't mean those men don't have their wife and children with them at the feasts. Deuteronomy 16 clarifies that. What it means is Yahweh through Moshe is recognizing the primacy and the leadership in the home of the man, the masculine gender. This is why he says you tell it to your son. And your grandson, those are both masculine, not just in English, but in Hebrew. It's not that you don't tell it to your daughter and your granddaughter too. But he's saying the son is what's going to carry it on. The grandson is what's going to carry it on. Listen, Israel, and be careful to follow them so that you may prosper and multiply greatly because Yahweh, the mighty one of your fathers, has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. Listen, Israel, Yahweh, our mighty one, Yahweh is one. Love Yahweh, your mighty one, with all your heart with all your soul and with all your strength. These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. 
Talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Men, we cannot obey Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9 if we're not studying the Scriptures. Moses tells the men of Israel to teach the law diligently to their children all throughout each day. You say, well, they'll hear teaching on the Sabbath. They'll hear you, Brother Matthew, on the Sabbath. That's not enough. That is not enough. Does once a week from Brother Matthew or whoever's teaching fulfill when they rise up, when they sit in the house, when they walk by the way, when they lie down? No, it doesn't. I cannot fulfill that for you, brothers. You are each the man of your home and should be fulfilling that command from Yahweh through Moses. Now, when we travel through Luke, it has revealed to us from the life of our Messiah that the teaching, the teaching of Scripture is of great importance. It keeps coming up. He was always teaching. I want you to get that in your spirit. He was always teaching, not just healing, not just casting out demons. That came after. Teaching came first. Teaching came first. It was primary. And when a man of Yahweh is teaching Scripture, you should make a habit of listening to the Scripture that's being taught and listen diligently. Now, I'm not here to take your place, men, in your home. That's not my job. I'm not the head of your home. I know some pastors may think that they are, and they're wrong. But a pastor's not the head of every home in the church. Each individual man is the head of his home, and you make the decisions of Yahweh's law for your home. You're each individually the head of your own home, and it is important that you realize that you are here each Sabbath to be taught yourselves. But I teach you, as Ephesians 4, I believe, says, to equip you and to help you be more apt to teach Scripture in your own home. Now, some have told me before, but Brother Matthew, that takes a lot of time. And the answer to that is, yes, it does. And if you have a heart for Yahweh, brothers and sisters, you'll devote the time that it takes. When you truly love something, you make time for it. Amen. Now, I enjoy eating. Anybody else enjoy eating? Come on, me and Brother Rocket, me and Brother Rocket, Brother Arnold. We've got a few honest ones in here. I see some more hands going up. I enjoy eating. You know what I do then? I make time to eat. I make time to eat. I'm like Brother Arnold. I get hungry even when I think about going on a fast, right? And we should fast. We should fast often. That's good. That helps us to enjoy eating even more and appreciate it even more. But I enjoy eating, and I make time, therefore, to eat. I enjoy going off and spending time with my wife. And so I make time to do that. It may just be a trip to Loganville, to the grocery store, but I enjoy that. So I make time to do that. And if we're not making time to guide our homes by listening first diligently to scriptural teaching on the Sabbath and then studying and teaching our wife and children at home, it's not because, listen to this, men, and I speak this just as much to me as I do to you, in humility. It's not because we don't have time to do it. It's because we don't want to make time. That's the truth. 
And that convicts me as I utter those words. Because there have been times in my life as a husband and a father that I was diligent to teach my family. But there have been plenty of other times where I've fallen oh so short. I've placed this thing or that thing over teaching and guiding my family and spending time with my wife and children. I've spent time doing something else and I've placed something else over my family. It could be many things, men. For me, for Brother Matthew, I've actually spent too much time studying alone and not enough time teaching my family. That's a real thing. I'm not called to sit in my office and keep everything to myself. I'm not called to do that. I'm not called to neglect my wife and my children to just study for eight hours a day and never spend any time or attention with them. That's not my calling. That's not any man's calling. I'm to take what I study and apply it to my wife and my children and teach them and guide them as as the man of my home, as the priest of my home. It could be other things. Too much TV, too much work, too much time doing your own hobby, too much time thinking you need your own space. I do not like that one. I don't like that one. I've heard men tell me before I need my space. They're married, married men. I've heard women tell me before I need my space, need my, need my time, I need my space. Listen, men, when you get married, your wife is your space. Women, when you get married, your husband is your space. You don't need space from your, from your spouse. That's not biblical. You get in trouble doing things like that. Your family is your life. And what does it profit you if you gain the whole world and lose your own family or your own soul, which they are? It profits you nothing. That's what you get in the end, a big, fat nothing. We're all going to be buried. And at our funeral, it's not going to matter how much money we've got. It's not going to matter what clothes Brother Matthew's got on. Shoes, does not know that's going to matter. Only thing that's going to matter is this. Let us hear the conclusion of the matter. Fear Yahweh and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. I don't know about you guys, but I don't want a big fat nothing. When I fall asleep, the sleep of death, and when I awake, I want my eyes to be waking up to the kingdom of heaven where I will live forever. I don't want a big fat nothing. And I want the highest position that I can get in the kingdom. I want to be great in the kingdom. And it's okay to aspire to that. Matthew 5, 19, he says, Yeshua says, we should aspire to that. When you teach and you practice the commandments, even the least, you shall be great. We should aspire to that. Thanks be to Yahweh today that he sent a Savior that lived perfectly for us, died the death of a sinner in our place, and rose victorious over death on the third day. Because if I were to be judged by my actions of how I've taught my wife and my children, I would fall short. Thanks be to Yahweh that I can be forgiven for my sin of not recognizing teaching of the Word as primary. Thanks be to Yahweh that we can be forgiven right now, this day, if we repent of neglecting to teach our wife and children. We need this forgiveness. We need this badly. I want this to be a lesson that convicts you I want this to be a lesson that causes you to repent and encourages you to respect good Bible teaching for what it is. It really is following in the footsteps of the Master, both in diligently listening when Scripture is taught, then in teaching ourselves 
teaching others as we grow and we become equipped to do so. Scripture says he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastoring teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. And that's not just talking about me being the only one in ministry. I do it as a pastoring teacher to perfect you so you can go out and do the work of the ministry. Amen? And so you can be a teacher to the capacity that Yahweh allows you to do it. Everybody's not got the same calling or gift. I'm not saying that. But we should all teach in some capacity. The next time you get a chance to hear the Word of Yahweh be taught, get excited. Get excited. Be thankful that Yahweh has blessed you with another opportunity to listen to good, solid, biblical teaching. Be thankful. And then take that home with you and let it help you teach your family in the capacity that Yahweh has blessed you to do. Now, I want to make this practical. So I don't want to close it right there. I'm going to take a few more minutes to explain something. Because some may say, Brother Matthew, where do I start? And that's a logical and a good question. Where do I start? And I want to give you some suggestions that I believe might help. Number one, make sure that you come here on Sabbath ready to learn. Ready to learn. This is a Sabbath school. This is. I come ready to teach, or other brothers who feel in for me, praise Yahweh, they come ready to teach. So you come ready to learn. That's number one. Number two, taking notes is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Some people can take them mentally. Some people have to write them down. Take notes however you're best at doing it. That doesn't mean you've got to write down everything I say. I remember when I first started taking notes, I got I was on fire, man, you know, 13, 14 years old. Yahweh was doing something on my heart. I know he was because I've never been the same since. And I remember I would take them notes, and it's like I would never even look up at the pulpit because I thought I had to write down everything Brother Walden said <laughs> so I wouldn't miss anything. But I was on fire. I was excited. And now, you know what I need to do? I don't need to say, well, that was then, this is now. No, I need to go back to my first loves. And I need to stay on fire, and I need to stay excited. So it doesn't mean you've got to write down everything I say, but write down the high points, write down the Scripture references, and then you go and you study. And I can also get you a recording of the sermons. I'm planning on getting me a notebook because I'm, I'm very forgetful, but I need to get me a little notebook I can stick in my back pocket that anytime somebody asks me for a sermon, I'm, from now on I'm going to write it down and just give, give it to you in the order that I receive the request. Because that's a responsibility I have, right? I'm a teacher. If you say, Brother Matthew, I would like to hear that sermon again. I need to say, okay, here we go. Let me write it down. Number three, have Bible studies in your home. Now, that one's not as easy as it sounds. I say that from experience because there's been times when I've been diligent, we've been diligent as a family to study the Bible every day. But there's been also times when we've slacked off and stopped. Because we get home, or maybe we're in a rush in the morning and we say, well, we don't have time to do it this morning. Remember, we've done it for six months up now, but we don't have time this morning, so we'll do it this evening. Then I get off of work and I say, oh, I'm sure tired, honey. I'd rather just eat and I lay down and I skip that day. And so when I skip that first day, you know what that makes it easy to do? Skip that second day. 
and then skip that third day. And then before I know it, I've went weeks, maybe months, without teaching my children the Bible. That's right. I'm preaching to myself. I'm not just preaching to you guys. I say this all in humility. Slacking off is not good. Saying, I'm too tired to do a study tonight, that's not good. Once again, go back to what I said before. If you love something enough, you make time for it. If I love the Scriptures enough, if I love Yahweh enough, and I love my family enough, I will make time to study the Bible with my family. It is a commandment to teach your family the commandments. Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9. It's a commandment. Make time for Bible study in your home. Number four. Here's a way you can do it. It's very simple. It's not hard. You can begin in the book of the Bible. Begin in Genesis. You don't have to use Genesis, but you could start in Genesis. And you just read through the chapter. And you comment on it as you go. You can do this with any book of the Bible. You might start with a short book so it don't seem so overwhelming like 1 John or Titus. And you read a few verses and you say, children, what do you think about this? Let's talk about this. What does this mean to us? What did this mean in the original context? Let's talk about it. Let's pray together. Let's sing a song together. Let's share. Is there anything that you've got on your heart? How did y- what did Yahweh do in, in, in your day today? And we take time and we focus on Yahweh as a family. And if they ask a question, and this has happened to me many times, if they ask you a question and you don't know the answer, Make time to find the answer out. Don't make one up. I've done that before too. And so you make something up. That's not good. You say, I don't know, but I'll find out. And you spend time studying so you can come back and teach your children what you didn't know, but now that you do. Number five. Here's a good one. You can teach your children through the Ten Commandments. Now, I've got right here something that somebody blessed me with. I've never met the man. He never called me. I don't even remember who sent this to me, but it's been a long time ago. This is dated to 1995, and this was put together by a man named Christopher Paul Durkers from Calico Rock, Arkansas. And He's got a phone number here. I need to try to call him, I guess. But this is a scriptural law index. This lists, at least to Brother Christopher's, mind and and heart as he has studied, this lists every law in the Bible. He's taken the time to to make an index of every law in the Bible. Not an exhaustive explanation, but a scripture reference and what that scripture is about. And the first several pages are on the Ten Commandments. And I'd be glad to get a photocopy of this for anybody that wants it. I can take it over to Office Max and I can make a copy. And you can use this because you open up to the first commandment And the first verse is Exodus 20, verse 3. So you're teaching your children about the Ten Commandments, and you may want to spend a week teaching the first commandment. Don't just go over it haphazardly. Spend a week, and then in ten weeks you'll have all ten covered. And then in a period of time you can go back and do it again. The first commandment, Exodus 20, verse 3. Thou shalt have no other gods before Yahweh. Exodus 22, 20. Penalty for sacrifice to other gods, utter destruction. You can take this and go to each scripture, And as you read the Scripture, you can teach them to your children say, what do you think about the Scripture? I know we believe in keeping the commandments and we understand them to a point, but let's understand them more. Let's understand them deeper. Let's go into deeper levels of obedience to Almighty Yahweh. Amen? More obedience to Yahweh. And so you teach through the Ten Commandments. 
One commandment each week, I think, is a good place to start. And they're all indexed for you right here by this dear brother, whoever he is, bless his soul. He, he did a, a lot of work. And number six, teach your family about the Messiah. Teach your family about why he was sent. Teach your family the first use of the law. The first use of the law is to condemn the sinner, to drive him to the Savior. That's the number one use of the law, to show us that we need a Savior, that we've all sinned and fallen short of his glory. Teach your children about the Messiah, why he was sent, what he has done for us, his perfect life of law-keeping. Perfect. His death in our place on the tree. And then his resurrection from death. You should bring this up all the time. I got to go to a Southern Baptist church this past Sunday with my mom, for my mom, because it was Mother's Day, and I sat with her in the service. And I was actually very surprised uh, at how good the sermon was. It was very good, very excellent. Acts 13, 1 through 39. 39 verses covered in one sermon. Very expository, a lot of teaching. But I teared up as I heard about the Messiah. And I know the man doesn't understand and believe everything exactly like I do. But what he was saying was true. And he was talking about our sin and repentance and how that the Messiah died in our place suffering for our sins that he didn't commit. I don't ever get tired of hearing that. That warms my heart because I understand it. I understand that I should be dead. I shouldn't be allowed right now to serve Yahweh. But because of the gift of His Son, I'm free to serve Yahweh. And there's no condemnation upon me because of what His Son has done for me. And now I can go on to other uses of the law. The law is not just now to convict and to condemn. Now there's another use of the law for the regenerate, the born-again person. You know what that is? To instruct, to show you what you ought to do. Hallelujah. That encourages me. I love to hear about the Messiah. I tell your family about him all the time. Brothers and sisters, I love everybody here. I want you to know that this sermon convicts me of my sin. I've already talked to my wife about some things that we're going to change in our home. I'm not just pointing my finger at you. I'm pointing it at me too. Because I need this sermon just as much as anybody. The teaching of Scripture, the teaching of Scripture is such, such importance. And let's commit today, today, let's commit not to neglect it. Whether it's being taught to us and we're listening, whether we're teaching our family, whether we're witnessing and teaching, Let's commit today not to neglect it. Now, I know I've got a lot more to cover in Luke 6, 6 through 11. We didn't even get to the paralyzed hand or anything, but I'm going to stop right there because I want, you to, I want you to chew on that all week. And me, I want me to chew on that all week. And uh, next time that I teach, we'll get more into the uh, what happened there on the Sabbath, the paralyzed hand, the healing, and all that. So let's stand and close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I love you, I thank you, and I praise you. You're the creator, and Father, we could never respect you and honor you enough. 
but we are thankful that you accept us based upon the merits of your Son. And you change our hearts and you form us into his image. Father, I pray right now that you would continue to encourage me to teach your word in this congregation, to not grow weary, to continue to bring forth sermons just like your son did when he entered in the synagogue. He was always teaching first before anything else. Father, I pray that you would light a fire under me continuously to do that, not just here but also at home every day with my wife and my children. Father, I am so sorry for the times that I have neglected to do that. And Father, help me to remember this sermon. Help me, Father Yahweh, to listen to my own words and not just teach, but apply what I teach to my own life. Yahweh, keep us humble. Keep us teachable. Keep all of us teachable. Father, we could, we can always, always strive to do more for you and less for ourselves. I love you, Yahweh. I love your son, Yeshua. It's through him I pray. Amen.